Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we pick up where we left off at the end of 2020. In the book of Mark, we're in chapter 13, where Jesus is telling the disciples of things that are going to come to pass. Now, these words were originally delivered by Jesus on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, so it has been referred to since as his Olivet Discourse. In verses 24 through 26, which Pastor Jim will cover this week, Jesus ties events spoken about by prophecies in the Old Testament to his second coming. Now, the disciples knew Jesus was here now and that he had said some things about going away, even being killed. But this talk about his return likely flew right over their heads at this point in time. But after Jesus' resurrection and the filling of the Holy Spirit, it all came together for them, and they wrote Jesus' teaching down for us. We're going to spend a couple of weeks parked here in four verses. So here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, The Second Coming, Part 1. They're balls of fire, they're, they're sources of light, but these planets, they're not sources of light, they reflect the light of our sun, just like the moon reflects the light of our sun. All of that, all that order is going to be shaken by God in an instant. If you'd like a really lame illustration, go home and get out your snow globe. There's a nice little scene in there, but you have the omnipotent power over that snow globe to pick it up and shake it. And everything has to settle out once again. That's kind of the idea here. The sun um, is going to be darkened. The moon won't give its light. Uh, You think about that. Is God going to turn off the sun? I don't know. Maybe he just puts his hand over it for a moment, um, shuts out its light. So if if you're on the side of the earth where it's daylight, sun's going to go out. If you're on the side of the earth where it's dark at that time, the moon's going to go out. Why? Because the moon reflects the light of the sun. And wherever you are, you're going to be able to see the stars in the sky and they're going to be going helter-skelter. Is that going to be unnerving or what? For years, we've sung about the faithfulness of God. You know the words. Sun, moon, and stars in their courses above join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Great is thy faithfulness. The stars are there because God is faithful. Now, to get the undivided attention of every living inhabitant of this planet, God is going to make these things happen. And believe me, it will get people's attention. In Luke's parallel to this, Luke includes something that neither Matthew nor Mark do. Luke 21, 25, and 26, he says this, speaking of this exact same context. There will be signs in sun and moon and stars and upon the earth. Dismay among the nations. 
Now, we love the Lord. We're looking forward to Him, Him coming again. But to those who don't know Him, dismay. It says, In perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves, men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. The word translated fainting literally means stopping breathing. I think he's inferring that some people will die of fear when they see these things happen. Why would they do that? Well, bear in mind, this is at the end of seven years of the outpouring of the wrath of God. And there have already been devastating, deadly things that have happened. The overall reaction of the people of the world is going to be dismay because everything they consider stable and unreliable, it all comes unglued like the snow globe has been shaken. All the astronomical bodies are going to be affected. Now, when it says the stars will fall from the sky... We can't know exactly what that means, but it likely means, at minimum, they're going to be released from their positions. You know, you can't just say, well, there's the Big Dipper. Wait a minute, the Big Dipper's heading for the Little Dipper and, you know, just you know, yanked off Orion's belt as it went by. What's, what's going on here? At least they're going to be released from their positions. It may also, and it may well describe, an unprecedented meteor shower here on earth, you know, look, looking like the stars are falling from the sky. Now, when we read that section, Mark 13, 24 through 27, you'll notice um, in the translation we use, a lot of those things were in capital letters. And in the New American Standard Translation Convention, that means those are words from the Old Testament. But you'll also notice that Jesus didn't say anything like, as the prophet Joel wrote, or as Isaiah said, or as it is written. He didn't quote a specific passage, but what he did was he took phraseology from Isaiah, Ezekiel, Joel, Amos, and Zephaniah, at least, to put together um, those words. What Jesus did here is a lot like what we see in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation never quotes the Old Testament, but it alludes to it over 400 times. Jesus was just putting together the words. Now, Years ago, I did one of the most fruitful, uh, at that time it was an assignment, or it was what I chose to write on for a, a seminary class, and I've gone back over it a number of times and, and uh, added to it and, uh, and, and fleshed it out even more. What Jesus is referring to is things that are going to happen at the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is the term that I studied and looked at all the passages where it's used and all the cross-references to it. The, the day of the Lord is a day in which the Lord takes over. Uh, sometimes it's used in a specific prophecy, like for a specific nation that God is going to judge. Sometimes it's used for the, the general historical time of judgment promised by God on the whole world. So the day of the Lord, capital D, capital 
Lord. Um, that's the end times. It starts with the rapture of the church. It's the period of time when the Lord takes over. It's as if God is saying, if it be a specific time of judgment or the general time, He says, you've had your day. Now the day of the Lord is coming upon you. You will be judged. You will be held accountable for your deeds. And Jesus is using words from the day of the Lord without using the phrase, the day of the Lord. And He describes these phenomena that are linked to it elsewhere. His summary statement is the clearest. The powers that are in the heavens will be shaken. His own description of what will happen is shaken, agitated. Um, It's in the passive voice, meaning it doesn't do it to itself. It's not going to start shaking. It's going to be shaken. The Lord is going to cause this to happen. The powers of the heavens seems to refer to the power of Jesus, which has for the history of the universe kept everything together. You understand, that's why the sun, moon, and stars, in their very predictable courses above, declare the glory of God. It's because of what Jesus is doing. He's keeping it there. Let me show you two passages. You who are in our men's and women's Bible studies, you're studying the book of Hebrews, you've already seen this in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, speaks of Jesus as the heir of all things, and it says, through whom also He, God, made the world, and He is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature, and upholds all things by the word of His power. Two key statements there. He made all things through Him, made the world through Him, and upholds it all. Upholds is a word that means that Jesus Christ is the one who holds everything in its proper place, in its proper relationship to everything else. You know, it's, it's astounding to me that anyone could be a physicist or a chemist or an astronomer and not be a Christian. What they're doing is just studying what God assembled called into being through Jesus. The other passage, Colossians 1, 15 through 17, He, the antecedent of He in that context is Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by Him all things were created. Skip down, includes angels and everything visible and invisible, and in Him all things hold together. See that, the word hold together? Similar concept to what's in Hebrews 13, but this is a word that means that Jesus put it together and He's the one who has kept the order of creation the way it is. Next time you think about sweet little Jesus boy lying in a manger, remember, He was holding the entire universe together while He did that. When He was dying on the cross, He was holding the entire universe together while He was bearing the penalty of your sins? And what's going to happen in the time immediately preceding His second coming is that Jesus is going to stop keeping everything in that perfect stasis that we have come to know and expect, and instead, He'll shake it up. He's going to let some of the physical laws of the universe as we know it no longer apply. 
or at least be temporarily suspended. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.